0: Supersonic. Super Sonic. Super Sonic. Supersonic. Super Sonic. Super
1: Sonic. Supersonic. Super Sonic. Super Sonic. Supersonic.
2: Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks. And tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform, helping operators grow, ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better.
0: Hey there, my name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionise the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit sceptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labour and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through Vita Mojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen, making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with Vita Mojo has transformed I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic.
2: Hi, just before we get into the show proper, I had a message from our silver sponsors, Creventa. I was at an awards ceremony the other evening in London and it was fabulous, but I'm now, due to some health issues, a painful guest to invite. I'm now alcohol free, dairy free, gluten free, and many, many other things. And that means that when you're going to an event, you can feel a bit of shame as a guest when you are responding to someone that's collating all the menu requests because you don't want to give them too much hassle. And just thinking about it, actually using something like creventa.com would have made it a far better experience for me and for the team that were collating hundreds and hundreds of menu requirements And also thinking about them passing that on to the chefs, the venue, the waiters, the teams over there to make sure that the guest gets exactly what they need and they have the experience that they want. So if you're hosting any corporate events or indeed your venue hosts many, many of these parties, weddings, celebrations, I would really, really recommend getting in touch with Creventa.com. Creventa really is the answer to all of your problems as they have a seamless system that lets you email text all guests individually to then get them to pre-order their food and drink plus create your table plan with their drag and drop system ensure that all the details and payments are correct plus it really feels great when you get to the table and there's a super clear menu table name placement there which then says everything that you're going to be eating and flags at a glance any allergens or guest dietary requirements that you might have. Creventa helps your guests have the best experience which will be long remembered which means great word of mouth and great repeat business. You'll get booked again and again and again. It will give you huge benefits as a host or as a venue and from as little as £99 per month per venue, you really have a seamless experience at your fingertips. With Creventa, you'll not only save time, money, staff, resource and omit any human errors, because we can do that sometimes, you'll also help the planet by reducing food waste by around 18%, which is massive. So if you host, hold or run events, you need Creventa. Just go to creventa.com now to experience the future of seamless event hosting. Hi, lovely sunny day in Brighton and it feels like we're on holiday. Wouldn't that be nice? Almost a few months away and most of us will probably be jetting off somewhere. Today's episode is on that subject and it's with someone I used to work with many years ago and a new friend in the shape of David Norris and Anthony Clark-Cowell at Holiday Extras. Holiday Extras are a client of mine, so just fessing that up. However, when I work with them, it's so interesting for me because it's outside of hospitality. And what that brings is different thinking, different budgets, different challenges different teams, different agencies, different approaches. And when you don't make and serve something like what we do in hospitality in the main, and you are almost a kind of aggregator of services and products that are other people's, it's really interesting to think about what they do, how they approach it at Holiday Extras, what it means when you're a bigger company with bigger budgets and more people And what I really wanted from this episode was for us to step out of hospitality, step out of our day jobs, step out of our everyday thinking, meaning that we can then think about are there any things that cross over? Are there any analogous examples that we can find from what holiday extras do on a bigger scale that maybe we should be doing in hospitality? So I really wanted to bring in big guns from a big marketing team To then discuss with us, for all of us, almost as a a learning workshop, how do they approach things? How do they think about things? What does it mean to be a fiercely analytical organisation? What does it mean to be an incredibly innovative organisation? And also, with more budget, what more can you do? And if we could just take a couple of sprinkles of advice from This bigger thinking, I think that would do us all the world of good, whether you're a one-site venue or you're a 500-site venue. So we go through really how Holiday Extras do it and what's running through their minds as they're setting strategies, creating plans and going out for execution. What do the guys prioritise? Why do they prioritise that? Also, they're really known for having a strong internal culture at Holiday Extras, so I was really keen to talk about that. Lastly these guys are AI daft they're absolutely crazy on it so what I wanted to do was just talk about that a bit more because when they described to me and this was months ago what they were doing with AI Mid Journey, Chat GPT, and other things there was honestly fragments of my brain around the meeting room walls I cannot believe what these guys are doing and I don't think you'll believe it either <coughs> So it gives me the most holly bobs pleasure ever to introduce my next guests, who are David Norris, who's the Chief Growth Officer, and Aunt Clark-Cowell, Cole, is the Associate Director of Brand for Holiday Extras. Hello. Hey, Mark. How's How's it going? (laughs) Well, I was going to wonder how you're doing. It's a long day. You're doing this at the end of a hard day's shift. And David, you're just fresh back from gigging in Scotland.
1: Uh, yeah, I took, a, I took a little day off uh, to go and see my brother. And uh, on, on the way, I tested out a few holiday extras, products, airport parking and an airport hotel. But I just basically did a, a very quick trip to see my brother in Scotland, check out a gig, came back again. So I'm feeling fresh as a daisy. So flying <laughs> flying from Heathrow. No, uh, Gatwick. We're, we're we're in the southeast, we're um near Folkestone, so Gatwick's easy for us.
2: So, yeah. it's some shift going to Gatwick to go up to see your brother, to then do a gig and then fly back in the morning. That's kind of
3: like we yeah, used to easy. Live,
2: in, live in life last minute dot com. He's, yeah, mean, he's uh, dropped uh,
3: to the office about half one, to be fair, Mark. Oh, <laughs> but, <you know. laughs>
2: there was a traffic jam.
3: <laughs> I thought it was some <laughs> kind and of my flight red flight was
2: delayed. All right. Oh, now we're getting the whole I civilized. Story.
1: I took a day off. I
2: took a day yeah. off. It's <laughs> my birthday next week. I'm taking a day off for
1: it. See my brother. I haven't seen him for ages. It was you. I'm birthday. doing good. I'm doing good, Mark. It was you uh, next
3: week. week.
2: Oh, hey,
1: can next, we ask next what
2: age? Week. Can we ask what age? About ninety three. <laughs> well, listen, you're still skateboarding and half piping and all the rest of it. So you're 15 in my head. So yeah, you're doing pretty well. Nice. Yeah.
3: And what know, about I, you, and yeah, it's good. How's life? Life's pretty good. We've had a really busy day today. We, we, uh, once a month, we get the whole business together and, uh, we all sit down. And today we had pizza all together. So it's about, it must have been about 200 people in the room. Uh, and we show this thing called HXTV, which is Holiday Extras Television. It's like, uh, it's like our version of an all hands, but we do it a particular Holiday Extras way where we, we show, basically show a TV show and it's like, um, us on the sofa introducing segments, talking through everything that everyone needs to know really about the business. And it was, and we sort of put it around the different teams in the business to run it. And this month, it was the brand marketing and growth team, which is the team that David and I kind of head up. So uh, it was our responsibility to put together an amazing show, which felt like more pressure than I was expecting mm-hmm. to sort of put this thing on TV and, and entertain everyone. But also it felt brilliant to put it out there and see everyone's reaction, everyone laughing and joking. Uh, in most of the right places, there was a couple of times where they were laughing in bits. So I was not expecting a laugh, and there was a couple of times where it was really quiet, and I was <laughs> expecting a big laugh. But it was, it was, it's been, it's been an intense but super fun day. Yeah, I've got to go so, send you the link,
1: link mark, because it is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, could we share it on the podcast? Um, it's internal oh, comms. It's okay, probably not. But it is bonkers because um, it involves turtles, it involves AI, it involves
2: all sorts of weird. Um, transitions uh, it it was very creative (laughs) yeah well you know part of the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast really was to just talk to mainly who the listeners are is, is predominantly hospitality and talk about what bigger marketing teams get up to and then what they'd be able to do is take a little sprinkle of all the amazing things that I know that you do, um, because I help you out sometimes on, on some of that stuff. So I really wanted to, to kind of talk through that. So if we just take this internal comms piece for a second, in terms mm. of the investment, the work, but more importantly, the payoff of keeping people abreast of what's going on, A, how did you start thinking about that? And B, what does it take to actually put that kind of thing on?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, we, we we've always done big internal comms. So I've I've been in the business twenty-five years and we've always, through those twenty five years, we've always got the teams together. So back in the day we would have um evening events where everyone would come together and uh people could bring their kids and and everyone rally around and we would and we would talk through how things were right up to you know, two or three years ago, we would still be gathering together once a week. We uh, we used to call it shout out. We'd, we'd have everyone in the room and we really got a sense of kind of each other. You know, it was a real community atmosphere. Obviously, we then th- went through this strange period where we all got locked in our homes and we had to think differently. And we started to, um, we started to just do kind of Zoom call updates. So, you know, we'd record something, put it out to the team, they'd watch it. Uh, and, and we started to feel that actually the, we lost the community, obviously everyone was stuck at home and actually it's really hard to recreate that, that sense. But then when we came back to work, um, and you know, you had the, the sort of transitionary period where perhaps more people were, some people were kind of flexing their working pattern and some people were at home still, some in the office. We didn't really feel it was, um, it was the right, the time was right to resurrect the in-person comms, but equally we felt that the previous kind of. Zoom call style comms was no longer appropriate. So that was why we came up with this idea of a show that was kind of a bit more interactive that that you could put out there and it would entertain people as much as in in form. And that's, that's a super important part of it. It actually took us two or three goes at it to realize that the best thing you can do for that then is screen it on a stage, on a massive screen, with everyone in the room, giving them some pizza or food or whatever it is that you do, and come together and laugh together and sort of have that sort of super camaraderie in the, in the business. And, you know, we're all about having a good time. Everything we do, whether it's for the customer, for our team, for our partners, for whoever it is we're working with, we want to have a good time. So this really kind of epitomizes what we stand for as a brand in lots of ways. I think it's uh, so I'm, important. Go on, David. I was going to say, well, I'm sitting in the our CEO's office. He's, he's, he's out of the office today, but on
1: his ceiling, uh, there's a big neon sign yeah. This is no fun, no point. And uh, <laughs> so we, we, to Anne's point, we we do try and make things fun. What, what I've noticed is that as part of this, we've got more and more people involved doing this show and um, different teams are now taking it in turns. You know, last year, to Anne's credit, he kicked it off with his colleague, David. The two of them did a brilliant job of getting it started, but it was a lot on them. And so this year, it's gone around the leadership team, and each team's taking a month, and they're going to take an episode. Mm -hmm. What it's doing is it's getting people to be creative. Um, It's honing their presentation skills. People are thinking, how can we outdo the previous team? What are we going to do that's funny? What are we going to do that's going to be interesting? And it it can't just be funny. It has to inform about what's going on in the business at the time, share some news, talk about new starters, celebrate onboarders who've passed their probation period. Um, all that kind of thing. So it it is uh is an informative show, but we try and make it fun. And I've just noticed that it's it's helping the whole company to learn what good presentation skills are like and raising
2: the bar in terms of creativity. But what would you say to business owners that then are thinking, God, that's a lot of time out, um, you know, it's a lot of money potentially, we could be working harder, we could be doing stuff. I mean, what are the types of benefits that you're seeing?
3: I think it, I mean, I understand entirely that concern because it does take time, you, you know, putting something together that is entertaining and informative isn't easy. And, uh, and, and it requires a fair amount of investment, both in time and people and equipment, uh, to make something that is professional enough to sort of stand on its own two feet. But what we've seen is for instance, every uh, twice a year, we put together an engagement survey to the team. We ask them how they're doing and for the last two or three surveys that we've received, it has been specifically cited as a reason why they love um working at holiday extras you know it's, it's being called out as something that is a highlight of their of their month it's something that they really enjoy doing so you can, you get that kind of real specific feedback from people saying they love it and then you sort of feel it as well so you, you when on the day when you know we don't have a problem with people not being in the office, particularly, people seem to love being here. But on the days when HXTV TV is on, there's like a friction in the air. It's like it's exciting, and you can see, and everyone piles into the room, and there's a there's a sort of general sense of excitement in the air. And and I think it's really important for bringing people together in that way, and also to sort of, as they to David's point, you know, that that kind of creativity, to see that creativity continue to rise, and for people to believe that they've got an outlet. For a crazy idea they might have, or you know, here's a little thing that I've thought of. I, I, people come up to me all the time and say, "I've got this idea for a for a skit in HXTV. TV. Can I? Can I, can you help me with it?" I love that. You know, that's that's amazing. You never got that before. And David, what about you? I mean, in terms of you
2: know, you're sort of running, uh, you know, one of the big teams and and seeing everything at a sort of macro level. And you know, does it ever? Bother you about the amount of time, money, investment that you could be doing other things to, you know, just move move work forward, or you just see it as an absolute? This must happen because it's the right thing to do.
1: It's more of the latter, yeah. It, I I think you know if you're going to invest in your people, which we do, um, you've got to do it properly. And and one, I think one of the reasons why holiday extras have stood the test of time we're now in our 40th year is that um people stay here a long time uh and you've been here how many years uh 25, 25 years this year 25 yeah. years i mean that's just phenomenal but every, all around me uh, i mean i've you know, people stay for years and years and years because they've this um enjoy working here the the culture the way we work uh we're very hands-on we get stuck in. We try stuff out. We're not afraid to try things, and people are given quite a lot of freedom to experiment and 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 do new, innovative work. Um, and and I and I think, you know, that pays off. And the 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 attrition rate, if you want to call it that, is is low. It's very low. Um, so it keeps our recruitment costs down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it keeps a lot of the domain knowledge stays inside the company. Uh, we are experts at what we do. Um, and that is all part and parcel of having a great culture where people, you know, want to be there, uh, give their best, feel engaged every day. Uh, and you don't get that for free. It doesn't just happen. You gotta, you gotta invest in it. And as a leadership team, you gotta choose whether it matters to you or not. We believe it matters. Um, simple as that. So, um, you know, we don't really want to do anything half-hearted. Mm-hmm. And I think HX TV is an example of trying to do things properly. And by showing everybody in the team that we like to do things properly, it sets a standard. Yeah. Uh, so if we did it half-hearted, then um, people around the business would say, well, that's the sort of standard that the leadership team are happy with. Therefore, I'll do my job to that standard. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we really go for it and try and make it the best we can, and they see that we're, Trying to do the best we can, then they think, "Well, I need to do that as well."
2: well I think one of the big things for me, and I've, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, when you know I started working with you and, and you know advising, you know, sort of here and there, um, and Aunt and I talking about Britpop a lot and these kind of things. Um, but I honestly turned up to your offices, and I thought, "What's the catch?" Right? Because I came <laughs> in and. The niceness was off the charts. The helpfulness was off the charts. There's a real just family feeling everywhere you go and people that genuinely, you know, because some people play the corporate game, people that genuinely love their jobs, love being there, love being with each other. And when you walk in your front door, having those really strong values, you know, above you in the bulkhead as, as you walk in. And that's clear as day. And then, you know, it was just so obvious to me that everyone is in the business at good times. And, and when you're saying about your CEO having that statement on his ceiling, you know, just saying, was well, it, no fun, no point? Yeah, in neon. Yeah. Well, neon, right? <laughs> it's, and, you know, and and it's not tokenism. Like he believes that. And then when I first saw the the information that you gave me about the business and all that, you've got um Matthew who's with his surfboard and he's in his wetsuit and then everyone's away in all these trips and and you just thought, wow, this is the one percent. This is the one percent of companies that define it, do it, and and live by it, you know? Um, but just in terms of that people first business, I really just you know wanted to cover that now. Um because I think that is absolutely one of your secret weapons um, in terms of that. Custo- and that then goes through to customer experience, right? It
1: it, it does. And, you know, you, where it all comes from is there's a real underlying belief that is shared amongst the, 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 the leaders in the business and the team that time is precious. Mm-hmm. Time is really precious. And, you know, we're only here for a few specks of time in the... the history of the universe, we will be gone before we know it. Um, And time is very precious, especially when you're on holiday. You know, we we say that holiday times are some of the most precious times of all. They really matter. And so we we think about that every day because our job is to help our customers have a better holiday, Mm -hmm. remove the hassle from the holiday, make it easy enjoy the holiday from the moment you leave the front door rather than the moment you land in the resort and uh you know if we can do that then we're making a difference um and and everyone feels that and everyone believes that so if you do believe that time is precious then you 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 believe that your time is precious at work as well and that the relationships matter with the people that you work with uh, and it's not something that we just woke up one morning and said, What shall we believe in? Yeah. I, I actually went through this process over a good few months with the leadership team trying to figure out what was already there. Because I, I joined seven years ago and the company's been going 40 years. And from the very outset, I mean, you'll know more about this than me, but Jerry, who founded the business, really founded it on some extremely strong principles of um, good service you Know win for the customer, win for the partner, um, and make sure people have a good holiday. And he's very, very service orientated. So, and I and I think you know people in hospitality may not realise it, but I've worked in hospitality uh, myself uh, earlier in my career, and actually I did a stint with um, an online booking uh, platform for restaurants, and spent a lot of time working with restaurant clients. And Olivia. But, and Olivia, yes. Yes. Yeah. shout out to Olivia. yeah, Hey, Livy. And uh, yeah, we had a good time. But the there is a real parallel with travel and hospi- hospitality. They're the two sectors I've spent almost all of my career in. And it's because you can make a real difference to people's lives. And you were you were saying earlier something really nice. What was
3: it? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I was just thinking about this in advance. I was thinking when you when you go out for a nice meal with your family your loved ones your you know friends you go out and then do things socially it's a, it's kind of a mini holiday right it's a little kind of holiday moment because it, for a for that little moment you escape your your life and you just go and do something and and because of that you kind of want it to be frictionless and you want it to be no hassle and you want it to be Really good service from start to finish. I, I I think just in thinking about this, those parallels are really clear between like those mini holidays and then kind of those big holidays that you have one or two times a year. Well, funnily enough, there's a brand I work with and um, they've got a bit of a
2: service promise, which is they will treat customers as if they're on holiday. So, do you know, so, you know, when you go away and the service that you get, I really think it's quite exceptional, you know, where people genuinely in the hotel. And restaurants, it's kind of upped a level. And I just thought, you know, that was, because they know that you're there for the best week of your life, the best two weeks of your life, you the best weekend of your life, whatever it is. So I thought that was a beautiful service promise to treat people in that way. I thought it was just outstanding. Great. I love that. That's (laughs) brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a cracker. Don't don't be stealing it. Um, <laughs> and then just if we go back a wee bit, then in terms of holiday extras, just in case people don't know what it does, it'd be worth just talking about that. Well, Ant and was there before I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was it was a horse and carriage hire, I think. Yeah, really? yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it was only twenty five years. Uh,
3: so so uh, holiday extras in a nutshell. Uh, you know, we're here to uh to make holidays better you know our strap line is less hassle more holiday we we are here to provide uh support for customers and, and products and services for customers who are going on holiday uh to make those holidays to elevate those holidays to something better than they than they otherwise would be and we do that through the provision of services like airport parking airport lounges airport hotels travel insurance car hire transfers everything that you need for a holiday except the holiday yeah um no, uh, I'm afraid not, not yet. But who knows? <laughs> Damn <it. laughs> um, But we're always thinking about other products. So oh yeah, it yeah. On the you, made me Thank you made very it much. <laughs> um, and then, and, and then we do that through, you know, through an app that is um, incredibly uh, well downloaded and well supported, and, and and does very well in the app store. We do that through retail partners. Uh, we partner with pretty much every major retail group in the UK uh, through intermediaries. We got a pretty good. Coverage across the industry so that no matter how you're booking your holiday, for instance, um, you're probably always going to get offered a Holiday Extras product mm. as part of the checkout process, whether that's online or in person. Uh, when you search on the internet, you're going to find us pretty easily because we work really hard to make that happen. Uh, and we'll be able to help people uh, to go on their, on their holiday and have a great time. I think that does it in a nutshell, doesn't it, David? Yeah. Yeah, and the the original
1: kind of genesis of the company was um jerry um at the time found that it was difficult for travel agents to to book an airport hotel for their customers mm-hmm. and and so he he talked to some airport hotels and said if i bring you lots of customers could i get some rooms from you and uh spoke to some travel agents and said if i could get some hotel uh, rooms for you. Would you book through me? And that's how it all started. And it was great for the travel agents because Jerry would say, well, you can have a two star or three star or four star and it will cost this price, this price or this price. Um, and then to, to the hotels, he say, I can bring you t- 20 people a night, 40 people a night, 50 people a night. It just started small scale um but it was really a win 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 because it's better for the customer so they get a better start to their holiday it's better for the hotel because they could get more bookings coming through from the travel agencies and it was better for the travel agencies that made their lives easier um nice. so uh, it's all built from there really and it's just grown and grown and grown and it's now what 750 800 people depends on the season um we're doing over half a billion in turnover um, we've got a team in germany we've got a little office in germany in munich uh, we're running a business out there as well um we've got a, a few subsidiaries uh, offering specialist products and services that we built up over the over the time but it's it's, it's very much a um a dynamic uh business that i i think's like a 40 year old startup and i've worked in startups a lot and and it
2: and it still feels like it has that energy which is uh, exciting i think that's coming from the family thing as well, you know, you've kept it so family-oriented as well that it does feel, you know, big, obviously, but homely and intimate. So it's it's a fine balance to, to, to be able to pull that off, you know, and I, I think that really shows. I mean, just in terms of marketing then, because this was one of the things I was wanting to talk to you about. So you've got all this supply. You are predominantly e Um, and you're half a billion. How do you go about that then? How do you organise the team? What are the main areas? What do they do? What do you prioritise? How does all that work? Because it will seem so big for that one person that's doing everything for 30 restaurants with the symbols at their knees.
1: Well, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's Mm. taken decades to build up, so... That's worth bearing in mind. And um we but what we tend to do is we whilst we do use agencies to get n- new experience and learn new skills and find out how things could be, we if it works, we tend to do it ourselves mm. rather than use an agency. So you know a lot of companies our size might use an agency for their paid search marketing or for their email marketing or even for their advertising. But we've got pretty much all of those skills in-house but we only invested in building up those teams once we knew it worked um and there's always people tinkering around off the sides of their desks trying out new things to see what will work Um, but if it does work then you end up resourcing it so um in terms of how it works really i mean there's there's two sides to marketing really there's the kind of the brand marketing side of things and um um, an ants area which you can you can talk to more ant. but the other side of it is the performance marketing where you know you've got your digital channels like youtube your um uh email seo ppc display advertising um social they those performance channels um we, we put specialist teams onto them so each uh team is looking after a channel so i've got a, an seo team for example and they focus 100% of their time on figuring out how to optimize our websites so that they rank well in Google organically. Uh, and they, they've they been doing that for 20 years. And literally, when it first started, nobody knew what SEO was. Neither did we. But we had someone in the name of Steve who is such a brilliant guy. He, he just went and figured it out yeah he went to conferences he met people he tried stuff it didn't work he tried stuff it did work he's still doing it today i said you know steve this ai thing bing chat gpt search how well do we do it there what do we need to do to do better there and he'll go and tinker and figure it out so we we organize around channels um we've got a a ppc team to run all the paid advertising um and people sometimes say to me, "Well, what's your what's your PPC budget?" And I go, well, I kind of know what it is. I I don't really care how much they spend. What I care is how much they make. Yeah. So they uh, they can, every week they can spend as much as they want as long as they report back on how much they're making. Yeah. And uh, it's what they're making that matters. As long as it's more than you're giving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> Bring back more than you spend. Yeah, yeah, um, got it. They're, they're very independent. Each of these teams, the email team, likewise. They've we've got a, a big database. It's um, actually probably email is one of our most important channels. It's uh, um, close to seven, depends how you count it, perhaps eight million uh, email subscribers. So it's a big database, um, and we we send email every week. It works, and um, the team are continually testing. They're doing split tests. They're saying, what about if we did this this campaign and we send it to th- this alternative campaign here with a slightly different message uh, and we'll measure the performance of each. We'll measure which one generates more click-throughs, uh, which one generates more more, more sales. Um, and then, okay, right, that's the winner. And then the next week they test something else. They're always testing. Yeah. But I don't um, have to tell them what to test it's their job to come up with ideas of what to test because their objective is how much gross profit they're generating from their channel um their objective isn't a specific set of tasks their objective is to generate the the gross profit so each team has their own gross profit targets and they've got their own access to data so we we use a, a reporting tool um and you don't have to go to a specialist analyst to go and ask for the data. You go and get it yourself and you have to learn how to become literate in finding the data. So, um, I could go on in a lot of detail, but essentially it's really a question of optimizing those channels through uh, continual testing and the teams owning their results and reporting back on their success. Um, yeah, it, 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 it does work. um, if, when I explain to you know my friends and family some of the complexity involved in some of these campaigns, it sounds quite, you know, quite uh, quite amazing, really. Yeah. Um But it's not happened overnight. It yeah. it's a gradual build that's taken many many years
2: to refine. But I think you've got a massive. I mean, we all talk about brand marketing and we say, but I think you've got a massive curiosity culture there. And yep. and I just find it impressive because I love working with you guys because you stretch me and stretch my thinking too. So it always feels like a bit of a sparring match. I mean, we've got to catch up tomorrow, David, actually. And, um, you know, what what you bring to me is like lights ahead, light years ahead of, of, of what I see, you know, normally in, in hospitality. And it takes me back to our old lastminute.com days in, in a lot of ways. But I think... That curiosity, continual testing. Now, for example, a lot of people listening will maybe be questioning, should I send A, one, A, one singular email weekly, biweekly, or monthly? Mm-hmm. But for you, you'll be sending multiple emails due to multiple actions through to multiple segments of multi-creatives, To then come back and measure that and all these nudges along the way to take people down the journey. And I think that's one of the messages as well is is I think it's about marketers thinking differently and it's about marketing moments and the life cycle of that customer and the mind cycle of that customer rather than one size fits all once a month. You know, that's just generic to everyone. And I still think that the segmentation within so many hospitality businesses, people are still talking about, oh, I'd love to have it so that we send a red wine newsletter to all the red wine folk. And it's just, you know, you guys are doing that, you know, 300 times a day.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say segmentation um, doesn't need to be complicated to be valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, you can just do it really simple. Um, I mean, we, we, for example, uh, looked at people that live near Luton Airport um, and put them in a separate pot, sent them a slightly different creative to people who live near Manchester Airport. And the reason we did that is because at Luton Airport, we own and operate a car park, which is, goes under the name of air parks. And in low season, we've got capacity. And we can run promotions on that, which we perhaps wouldn't be able to do if it wasn't our own car park. Mm. So we want to put that promotion out to people who are likely to use that airport. Of course, that promotion would not make sense to people who live near Manchester, Mm. but um, it's a very simple segmentation. You don't have to think, Oh, now then what's their demographic and um, how many times have they been previously? You, you, You can say, you know, is this, is this person that's been more than once, versus person that's only been once (laughs) yeah Yeah. it could be be as simple as that i i think a huge amount of the value of personalization and segmentation comes from the very basic segments that you do um
2: you don't you don't have to do really sophisticated stuff to start getting value yeah i think that's a great message which is just do something you know, yeah. and you know, people are like, "Oh, I want it to be a single customer view, and then it will take two years to get to that utopia." And I want to work out that everyone's had who's had lasagna last night. Let's, you know, do... it's too much.
1: Yeah, you totally. know, I, I I think in hospitality it could be things like if you if you it's about the data you can collect, right? Um, so if you if you can do something to start collecting people's birthday month mm. and then when it's their birthday month, they get a different email um with a special offer promotion reward yeah, that's that's a good program that work yeah um but you've got to collect the data in the first place
2: and also you could do it you know that just as you're saying a birthday month you could actually send them you know twice weekly things of value that really makes them feel special rather than the one one week before and then it's like when it's a minute past midnight of your birthday you can't do the voucher anymore because we're too worried about risk and you know yeah. all that sort of stuff and it's like you know let's 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 do something different or you know you could go wider everyone that's born in september and there's a lot of them because it's a new year fumble that then makes the september <laughs> birthday right which i'm one of um then basically you know you can have a you know promotion around that and you'd get a, an awful lot of uh customers you know i, I think we used to at LastMinute.com, when we were both there, we, we used to have some really fun campaigns as well. If people had went dormant, you know, we really took the mic. Where we were saying yeah. one customer lost, and there was something about Martha and her muffins and all the rest of it. And then I think at the end, we just said, "If they still hadn't bought anything, it was bare faced bribery." And it was like, "Here's a tenner, do something." And I think we had like a seventy five percent open
3: rate on that or something. It was yeah. something incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you, uh, you really offered what, free money, and they and yeah. they answered the email. Wow! Funnily enough, <laughs> <Who knew? laughs> we were desperate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely desperate at that point. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But I was, was going to say
1: that that performance marketing side of things is is probably about two thirds of our marketing team. I'd say, mm-hmm. and, and Ant uh, looks after the other third, which.
3: Uh, um, well, you tell Matt, It's more creative. It's yeah. I guess. I guess the other third is thinking perhaps longer term around how do we build a brand that people know about? How do we, how do we make sure that we are front of mind when the customer is in one of those moments that matter when they're, when they're thinking, you know, they, perhaps they've just put their holiday and they're thinking, what do I do next? You know, we want to be there. That's the, that's the point at which we want them to think about us. And I guess I spend my time, um, figuring out how to make sure that we're, that we are there in those moments. So we spend our um, our budget on more like uh, uh, above the line campaigns, PR campaigns, uh, social media, uh, making sure that wherever the customer is uh, or the customer that we want to target is, we are being represented. And um oh, so I was going to say you, you had a wee straight into TikTok there as well. How how was that? Was that fun? Uh, it was <inaudible> super fun. We're still we're still there. We're still doing, we're still doing some TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, we worked. Um, we worked with Antler. Who I know are good friends of the the show, Mark, and you know th- those guys were fantastic. Really showed us how to how to get going on on TikTok as a platform. I think mean, TikTok is a really interesting one because there's so many people, yeah, younger people in the business, not me, uh, younger people in the business that really want to get involved in it and really want to do stuff. And it's such a authentic platform yeah. uh, that I think businesses find it quite hard to to get involved and stay relevant and be kind of. Uh, in the zeitgeist enough to be being shared around places, and I think we're we're still figuring finding our way there. Uh, we've got we've got a couple of people in the team that are so excited by what TikTok can do. We've got lots of lots of ideas, and then importantly, we're expanding our kind of uh, influence or outreach at the moment. Really talking to people that are big on the platform and saying, you know, help us promote our product, and people are really really up for it. Actually, I think I'm not sure that anyone like us has approached that segment before. And so they're kind of like, oh good. Yeah, I am going on holiday. That's part of what I do. So yeah, I'd love to love to get involved. So that, that's really interesting. We're seeing some really interesting stuff there. But actually our current our current demographic is is much more Facebook oriented. Mm-hmm. Um so you know the, the the ducks are thickest on Facebook. Then we got Instagram and then TikTok is very much a kind of future platform. You know, we 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 support it because we we believe that's where the, the customer of the future is but it's not Probably our main focus from a from an editorial content perspective,
2: and one thing I'm really impressed with as well is is the brand measurement and the brand
3: tracking. So, can you talk to us a little bit about that and and how you go about that? Yeah, I mean, we you know we we know that brand tracking is super important. You know, it's, it, I just said to you that my my main objective is to get the Holiday Extras brand front and center and top of mind, and if I don't measure that. Then I don't know how well I'm doing. Uh, but I do measure it, and I s- sometimes wish I didn't because it's such a slow-moving metric that it kind of sometimes you can feel like you're a bit of a failure. But so we look at we we monthly pulse uh a thousand customers or a thousand UK nationally representative uh people and we ask them if they've heard of holiday extras. Um we show them our logo, ask them if they recognize it. We ask them a bunch of questions that are repeated every month and so we've got this really strong probably three years now worth of data that tells us how we're doing against that Um, and we can very quickly see if there's any nuance in there or how things are changing Uh, it was fascinating over the pandemic to see you know as people stopped thinking about holidays for instance they stopped thinking about holiday extras when holidays came back they started thinking about holiday extras again it was great Um, so yeah but we're we're really focused on that we look at that you know every single month without fail we look at those numbers and report them (laughs)
2: A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish restaurant of the year Sugarboat Boat to TipJar, Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the Robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. And then what about the PR side of things? That's like super important also for, for, for building a brand. How do you go about that? And what types of
3: things are you doing from a PR perspective? So we we tend to um, create the content that we want to put out. So we know what our kind of our monthly plan for a content schedule might be, which is very much based on, uh, where our customers traveling? What are they, what, what kind of mindset are they at? Which part of the year are we in? So it could be kind of seasonal related, or it could be to do with booking peaks. So we know that, you know, at Easter time, lots of people are going to go away. We know there's a peak. So we'll be talking about more, uh, the act of traveling content as opposed to perhaps in January, February, when they're thinking about where they're going to go and we'll be thinking about Wanderlust content, about where they might head. So we've got this kind of outline campaign plan that we always have in mind. Um, and then what we tend to do is ask ourselves the question, what do we want to say about that this month? And then we tend to go and ask our panel of people. So in the same survey often that we do the the kind of um, brand awareness stuff, we will also ask them some questions that will then feed content that we'll put out over the course of the, the weeks following. And so you get this really nice kind of, um, and often, you know, we, we're we sometimes surprised by that data. So if we go out and say, who would you most like to sit on a plane with when you go on holiday, you know, you're expecting George Clooney and you get Boris Johnson. But, you know, <laughs> but that's but that, that the story. I mean, that, <laughs> I can't remember what that specific survey said, but yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised that there's a lot sort of people people want to sit next wow. to. I don't know if they want to just, I don't know. Do something him to him. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows?
1: <laughs> um, I think you, you, what, what answer touching on there is that um, we 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 take care to create the story that the journalist might be interested in, yeah. and and we do research and to, to uh, through surveys, but we also research our own data, um, and we we see about seven million travelers a year using our products um that's out of the 90 odd million trips that go out of the uk each year um that's because we'll we'll do three and a half four million bookings but they um include more than two people and and off that when people are booking with us uh they, they give us their flight details because it's helpful for when you're dropping off your car and picking it up again, making sure it's ready in time, that sort of thing. And we're collecting flight details uh, across the whole UK travel market. So we can see which uh, destinations are trending up and trending down. Uh, We can see if there are specific airlines are trending up and trending down and what the traffic's looking like at each airport. We've got a huge amount of data. And actually out of that, you can find some quite interesting stories that journalists... uh, um, often do pick up on um so our pr team uh, work with with um, our agency you know we 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 develop the content ourselves but we we do use a pr agency to help us with our relationship with journalists and, and get stories placed um but i think the the use of data to create content is
2: is a key strategy and it, and it's been working very well i think having the ability to have some kind of analyst in your marketing department, uh, you know you don't see it that often uh, in hospitality. Really, some of the bigger ones, um, but you don't. And the data mining there and what you can then create out of that is is so super interesting. I think with the advent of AI, hopefully, we might be able to automate a lot of that. Perhaps, um, could be quite interesting to see. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you need
1: to necessarily. Be an analyst to do these sort of things because mm. um the type of things that Ant was talking about earlier, you you could simply do a survey monkey survey and ask some questions of a specific audience and um you know, anyone can do that.
3: Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the main yeah. thing you need is curiosity, right? Exactly. You need to be curious about <laughs> what the answer might be and yeah. and go and then find a way to go after it. Yeah, I guess it's approaching everything with I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. It's those shower moments, isn't
2: it? So I was always told that was the best place to have a a a brainstorm of of one.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I've
2: got this theory, Mark, that the future of
1: humanity um, is to ask the questions. Uh huh. Uh, If you if you see what's happening with generative AI these days, it's all about how well you can write the prompt. Yes. Um, and if you write a good prompt, you might get good content. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same in business if you ask the right questions you you can get good results um yeah. so increasingly as humans we've got to becoming better and better at asking questions yeah um and I think that is what is going to st- stand businesses apart in the future is the questions they ask themselves
2: definitely no I I think that's true and I've got a, a great old uh God, not old great uh mentor Robert bean and and he always talks about um you, you know, you judge a person by the questions that they ask. um, And and he's always said that, you know, for for 20-odd years or however long I've known him. And I've got one client up in Scotland that always pulls any team back in any meeting to say, what question is it we're asking here? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. it really sharp, sharpens up your thinking. You know, it's like, it's a really good one because you can get lost in the tactics and lost in this and that and the next thing. But just take a step back what What's the question we should be asking here so
1: and so often it's assumed that people know what the answer is yeah. I see it in contact centers, people often assume that what you're trying to do is make things more efficient mm. if you If you phone up a contact center and you can manage to get through without getting through an i v r machine that makes you tap sixty different buttons before you talk to a human, yeah. you're lucky because these days most contact centers have done that right they've yeah. they've tried to optimize and it's optimizing for their benefit for their cost they see customer service as a pain in the backside whereas if you look at the other way around and you say what are we trying to optimize for here you could optimize for different things right you you could optimize for quality Mm -hmm. say what i want to optimize for is the absolute best experience for my customer yeah and um you know I, i think we're definitely more in that camp but sometimes you you have to explain to people that is what you're optimising for Um, because otherwise they'll just assume you're like everyone else and you're trying to optimise for cost. So, you know, and I think it relates to hospitality as well. You know, if you take on new staff and they've worked elsewhere, you might have to be very specific about what
2: your ethos is and what you're trying to actually achieve. Yeah, I I think that's phenomenal. And and I know from uh, having Rory Sutherland, on the podcast and, and talking to him he famously talks about you know optimization isn't always the right thing you know optimizing for finance optimizing for numbers optimizing for it, it could be a softer thing yeah um, absolutely. but but i remember working for an online travel place <laughs> that I might pink have mentioned already. And they were actively trying to hide the customer service number to bring down that cost per call, cost per yeah. contact, you know? Yeah. And and now when you're a customer and you're looking for, you know, to get in touch with whoever it is, you can see when they've done it, you know, you're like, oh my god, like why don't you have a a live should... chat on your website as bananas, you know? I remind me of a story when, when I was a
1: student, I left uni and then I went to America to work for the summer. And I got a job as a waiter in an Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been doing silver service waiting at uni, um, and doing banquets and stuff. And so I was used to kind of British silver service. That was my idea of what a good waiter it was. Yep. You know, you're, you're, you're there to serve the needs of the customer. <laughs> and, um, after a few weeks working this job in the Italian restaurant, the, the boss, me over the coals and was really unhappy with my work, and I, I couldn't understand it. And the reason she's unhappy is because she didn't think that what a waiter's job was. She saw a waiter as being a salesman, and oh. the waiter's job was to make her as much money as possible. So she was optimizing for cost,
2: and I was right. op- well, she was optimizing for revenue, and I was optimizing for service. <laughs> so <laughs> Not in this restaurant, son. <laughs> Until she told me, I
1: didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize. And then she explained it to me, and then she said, do you want, David? Do you want to know why you're only pulling five hundred bucks a week in tips?" And I said, oh. "Yeah, tell me. You want to know why you're not getting two G's like that guy over there?
2: Said, well,
1: you got to learn to sell.
2: You got to say." And did it work? Did it
3: work? I left. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs>
3: couldn't stand the heat. Got out of the kitchen. Hey. I went. I went to instead to work in a Christmas shop.
2: Oh, an all year round Christmas shop, or a yeah, yeah. Oh, was that oh, fantastic? In, in a beach
3: resort in America. Upselling oh. tinsel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um I got distracted.
2: No, <laughs> that's good. Um, just in terms of the holiday market, for a second as well. What are you seeing in terms of numbers coming back? Is it busy? Um popular destinations, just all I think people would be interested to in know that because I think some of it could be related to hospitality too. You no, know, it's been really strong the last year, Mark. Mm. Since I think it
1: was end of February twenty twenty two when it was announced that all the travel restrictions were going it just started moving really really fast um last year was a big catch up year for people they were spending vouchers that they were holding on to they were saying right i'm going to take that holiday now cuz i haven't had one for 2 years and it's carried over into this year the difference this year of course is that there's a big cost of living crunch um and that is affecting people but it it doesn't it doesn't affect everyone equally it 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 does affect people on a lower income much tougher, you know, Mm -hmm. because your cost of your energy and your food and your diesel to get to work in that, that is really hitting people on lower incomes. Uh, and so it's very difficult for people on lower incomes to enjoy getting away on holiday, but for people on mid incomes and higher incomes, they are absolutely prioritizing going on holiday and they're Mm -hmm. forgoing other expenses, uh, to make sure they get that family getaway. Um, you know, we have, it's seen this year that the um the demand is 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 really strong uh it's it's probably stronger than it was in 2019 before all this happened um p- different people are going for different things you know so um there's, there's a big uptick in people looking for all-inclusive resorts because mm. with that you know you can um pay up front it may be cost more to pay up front but at least you've got very little expenses whilst you're on on holiday, and you know how much it's going to cost you. Yeah, um, and yeah, people are going away perhaps for a week instead of two weeks if they have to, or they're trading down to a uh, cheaper destination. Uh, you know, they, there's there's a resurgence in places like Egypt, Tunisia, Gambia, which are typically cheaper once you're there. Um, and the other interesting factor is that. They're flying out of the UK this this summer. Um, it, the growth is coming from the low cost operators, mm-hmm. so Ryanair, EasyJet, um, Jet2 as well. You know they they are taking on additional planes, additional routes, uh, and so the proportion of air travel out of the UK is more on budget airlines than it's ever been before. Um, which is quite interesting. And, yeah. and a lot of that is now getting packaged into holidays with the likes of EasyJet Holidays um, and Jet Tour doing their own holidays. So uh, the, the landscape shifted, but the airports are busy. They're very yeah. busy and they're back to normal. And we're not seeing the travel chaos that we saw last summer. Yeah. Uh, we see a little bit here and there, but it, it's you know, they've got their staff. They're up and running. Everything's back to normal. Um, and it's just full 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 speed ahead for the
2: for the travel industry. I think I've seen one of the biggest growths in airports uh is Istanbul. Mm-hmm. So I think they've just had a massive refurb. Apparently it's the size of a city itself now, the, the airport. Wow. <laughs> but yeah it's 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 top of the pops in terms of uh you know growth of flights in and out traffic, you know, all the rest of it. So it seems to be coming like a real hub for the world, you know, and it's pretty dead on centre, isn't it? Yeah yeah. So, yeah
1: I think people coming out of the pandemic have said Do you know what life's too short i need to enjoy myself um i don't need a new kitchen i don't need a new car yeah. but i need to go out and i need to go on holiday yeah um and you know we're definitely seeing that
3: i wonder if you you'll get that in hospitality you know just just thinking about what david said about people going for all inclusive uh, in greater numbers. I wonder if there'll be an equivalent in hospitality that people will be like, well, I, you know, I'm going to go out but I want to sort of limit my spend. So I, either mm. I'm going to shop down to a to a, to a sort of different restaurant than I would normally go to or I'm going to look for fixed price offers or I'm yeah. going to be, you know, I'm going to be making sure that I don't go and eat out without some kind of discount in place because, you know you know, the great British public definitely wants its holidays and it definitely wants to go out and and eat food in restaurants, right? So yeah. I, I wonder if the hospitality industry actually is seeing a similar kind of reshaping of trends in the same way that, that we are. I think there's not enough uh, availability.
2: So I, I don't think enough people are doing fixed price. I think that, um or I know that, um, you know, higher ticket items and, and higher ticket restaurants, they're not doing so well in the main during the week. You know, people just mm. can't afford to drop 50 quid ahead. And more, um, if if they are normal, you know, obviously, if you're rich, rich, and in, in, in the upper ends, then you, it doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, for some, um, you know, middle class and 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 you know, and down, uh, people are shifting it towards more of the weekend. They are trading down. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, we could. That's a really good point. Aren't I? I mean, I think we could look at some more package type costs. You know, which mm. is. You know, because you've kind of got your bottomless brunches and all the rest of it, but you could move that thought into other areas. The other thing as well is, you know, I, I think the hospitality industry has not got on board with this yet, but I think it's coming is subscription. Yeah. You know, there's only a few brands have done subscription and uh would happily have subscriptions for my favorite places to go mm-hmm. and, and get extra value from that. So I think, it, as David's saying, with the all inclusive, you know, I, I think people just want to know what they're in for. You know, they they just want everything to be locked down, not like that. But mm. you know, locked down in terms of cost, you know. Well, uh, just thinking about the last big financial crunch was two
1: thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. it was a it was a period of innovation mm. in the hospitality sector. Mm. Um, online booking became much more prevalent at that time. Um, table optimization systems came in play. Um, vouchers were a thing. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And people started building databases. Um, so I, I think uh, a time of uh, stress like this is uh, is a time where the best companies will innovate, whatever their sector. Mm-hmm. And we might see some really interesting long-term changes to the way hospitality um, is offered in the UK um, for the better of the industry, for the better of the customer. Um, and people, I don't know what those innovations will be, but there will yeah. be innovation.
2: Yeah.
1: And I, and I saw one last weekend, I was in Oslo, and um, we were going past a, a food hall and you could go and buy from a fish counter or there was various places you could go. And one mm-hmm. business had thought, I know what, you know, you've got bring your own wine. Uh-huh. They did bring your own food. What? Yeah. So it was an outside terrace, right? Mm-hmm. Where you could sit and eat and, you know, Cutlery, so but as long as you bought their drinks, right? Now, Interesting. Now drinks are way more profitable than food, so mm. I thought that's genius. Yeah. Sit, so you situate yourself some next to someone. Go down to Borough Market, for example, and set up. A bring your own.
2: Bring your own food. People would think you were mad, but it's a good idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if yeah? it is, but my well, point is, it's stuff it's like that that the- will. Come out
1: of the woodwork yeah. this year and we'll start to see new concepts. that Some will stick and some won't.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think hotels are still on this journey as well, which is not knowing what to do with people getting their deliveries, um, but they want you to eat and there's all that kind of friction. And if I was ever staying at a hotel, you know, I always felt like I was doing some kind of drug deal. Outside with a delivery driver and then sneaking past you, <laughs> him, you know, because I didn't want them to get, uh, you know, some sort of money with me because I was had ordered my Wagamama or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was always a bit. So yeah, there's there's probably something in that for sure. But yeah, that that could be super interesting. Um, so a couple of things, well, I'm just looking at time as well. It's getting a wee bit late, so you'll need to get home because Taskmaster's on tonight and oh. Inside Number 9, the final episode, is on tonight. So a uh, busy night TV-wise. Um, and then Brighton, fabulous last night as well, qualifying for Europa um, with a screamer mm. of a goal. Um, so a couple of things here then. One was really, you know, just stand out in terms of UI and UX, in terms of, you know, seamlessness, frictionless... Uh, a joy to use how do you approach that you know how do you go about making sure that what you're doing not only on the web and apps but also you've got a whole boatload of um, R&D stuff going on that nobody's seen yet apart from us being lucky um, and, and the fabulous team that work on that so did you want to just talk about that for a wee sec how you approach that
3: yeah I mean you gotta do it. Done-
1: it's never done, is it? Ant? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you, I mean, I think it helps to have a team that are absolutely laser focused on on that stuff, like obsessive over, and that goes right up to our, our CEO. Like Matthew is uh, absolutely obsessed with the experience being frictionless, quick, hassle free, delightful. You know all those all those words that you use. That he, you know he he will not rest until those experiences are. Are, are you know perfect and the team beneath Matthew the team that's working with him you know absolutely gets it and and also focuses super hard on that stuff I think we, we look at so we look at kind of number of taps or number of clicks that's really important to us make it as few as possible so that the customers can get through without having to kind of you know uh, press too many buttons we don't ask the same information more than once so if we know that you're uh, a family of four because you've told us when you needed to put your airport parking, we won't ask you again when you ask us for insurance two weeks later. You know, they, We try and make sure that, that that question's asked and we've already got that. We've logged that against your account. We know we know that about you. So that's they're like these are like principles that are really important to us. So making sure that those things follow through, super important. And then the, the, the sort of, uh, I guess the slightly less tangible part of that is the joy to use bit. And I think that comes down to wanting the experience, the UX, UI to actually have a personality and to reflect the personality of the business. And that's a lot harder to do. But when you get it right, you really know it. You really get that feeling of like, Oh, wow, that, that little animation that happened there was delightful. And like, that was great. That was perfect for what I was doing. Or, you know, I'm making payment. It's got to be quite serious. It was quick. It was easy. Okay. We're onto the next page. Yeah. I'm going on holiday. You know. So, so I think we, you know, we're, we're really kind of. Focused in on making it quick, make it fast, make it frictionless, but also make it fun and and delightful. And that, I don't know, I think just that's part of our DNA. That's just part of what we, how we approach this stuff. Yeah. Well,
2: again, back to time is precious, you know, so either be quick or be of value. Um, you know, and, and, and be rewarding to use hmm. um, You know, is, 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 a, is a good one. And then just in terms of any innovations in that area, is there any ones that you can talk about? We've seen some in some brand meetings and things like that, but I don't know if you can see anything in some of those.
1: Well, I think it's no secret that we're spending a lot of our energy on developing our app. Um, you know, a lot of our repeat customers use our app because it's so much simpler than using a website. Your details are saved in there. Your previous trips are saved in there. When you make a booking, uh, it's it's super quick. But what we're what we're moving towards is a world where uh, we we ask the customer for their trip details: where are you going? Where are you flying? When? And then we present back uh, the search results. Um, but if they want to buy more than one product, you know they might want to buy airport parking and an airport lounge. Um, they don't have to search twice. They can just go back to the start, and there's a link there to the the, the the prices for the other products. So we're going from this world where you search product by product, make a booking for each product. You know, If you look at our website at the moment, there's a bunch of tabs. It's a bit like Amazon was in the early 2000s. You had the books channel and the electronics channel. You know, we've got the airport parking and travel insurance and so on. Um, but in the future, people come to our app, put their trip details in, and then buy one of the products and then be really, really easy for them just to say, right, I'm going to add lounge, right. I'm going to add fast track. Oh, I need some transfers for that. And then we'll say, oh yeah, transfers. We didn't capture where your hotel address is. Give us that. Right. Okay. Here's the price. So we're very much going down this, um, uh, one search, make it easy for customers, less hassle. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're tinkering with AI as well.
2: Yeah, know, I was coming uh, on. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. So yeah, I, I, I love. Well, I've loved our chats on AI, and we probably will have more tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, tell me about that. It's just well, so
1: exciting. We're we're embracing it. I mean, we're putting yeah. some guardrails in place so people don't do stupid stuff. But <laughs> we we we're, we're we want the whole company to become literate in using these new tools. Right? We, um, I think it's a bit like you know it's 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 not on the same scale but you know when laptops came around and people didn't know how to use them you had to learn how to do email and you had to learn how to write a formula in a spreadsheet and these are basic skills that everybody needs in their job uh if you're working in office certainly and and i think ai generative ai is the same thing you're going to need to know how to use them to make your job easier um and so we're running training sessions for for team members, no matter what their job is. We're giving them licenses to the the tools, and you know we won't do it forever. The people that actually use it over a period of few months and produce some value from it, will
2: keep paying for the licenses. But we want everyone to try it. Yeah, that's very and Google Labs, by the way. Just the way you're talking. Is it? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I just we 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 just um, our our whole culture is around. Innovation, yeah. and you know, we therefore have to be open. We have yeah. to be open. We we can't contain innovation in one team. It has to
2: be done by everybody, and we drive each other. You, um, you, just to see David, you're a quote machine. After the podcast, I have to write quotes, right? <laughs> and and you've said about three crackers that I'm just <laughs> sitting and I'm noting down the time stuff uh, of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm not actually value. David Norris. I, I'm actually Chat GPT <laughs> with a with a voiceover.
3: Dave GPT, <laughs> I feel under massive pressure now to come up with a quote. So the next thing I say is going to be absolutely world-beating. It's going to that, be anything that David Norris can do. That's the quote uh, I'm going to use. <laughs>
2: <laughs> pick me, pick me.
3: Yeah. No, we yeah, we're we're loving it.
1: And uh... but that, that's
2: a fantastic thing to see. And as I was offloaded at LastMinute.com, I was I was offered a job in the innovation department, and actually. You're right. It shouldn't really be a department at all. Well, we
1: we do have an innovation team and yeah. but their job is to improve the capability of innovation in the company as a oh, whole. Right? Oh, yeah. So they are thinking about how do we train people in some of these methods, these tools? Um how do we run experiments that uh, can show value
2: that other teams can pick up on and run with. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's just it's quite clever and innovative and reasonably lazy of them actually just getting everyone else to do the work. But you know, actually I
3: would I would I would credit them with genius here. <laughs> I tell you I'll tell you what though, the so the, the kind of our embracing of those of those tools. So we got, you know, the the main ones we're using as a brand team, we got chat GPT for words, which is, you know, you get we're using it a lot. We're experimenting with what it what it throws back. I'd say that you get about you know sixty to eighty percent hit rate in terms of kind of is it good enough to go in front of a customer? Yeah, normally not hundred percent. You have to play around with it, but playing around with it's fine. Of course you do. You're never going to get that, and that and that's good. It, but it's pretty smart. It's pretty intelligent. The one that we're absolutely loving right now is called Mid Journey, which is this kind of image generation tool. And we we've seen. I mean. David should show you tomorrow, and perhaps we can put this onto onto your your link. But uh, there's an image we saw last week of a of a lounge lizard, so literally a lizard enjoying a a kind of a cocktail in a lounge, and it is done by Midjourney, oh. and it is absolutely the most beautiful image I've seen it ever make, and it's you know, and and the beauty of that image is less, is actually. You know, the tool has come back with this amazing thing. But it took something like fifty prompts to get it to where we mm. wanted to get it to. But what's brilliant about it is the idea that sprouted the image in the first place, right? Someone's come up with that idea and gone, oh what if it was a lizard and he sat there in a in an airport lounge and he's got a drink next to him and and so That's gotta quality, be your mascot, doesn't it? I mean it's beautiful. Uh yeah. the extra's it's, gecko. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gotta be. And he's wearing a little like Hawaiian shirt kind of Oh, his man. his skin is an Hawaiian shirt. It's so cool. It's so good. It's um, but you know the quality of the output is as good as the quality of the input, and that's yeah. you know that and and that it's is a great quote. Like, and yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not you know can, that then. you can write that on your podcast notes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen your briefs. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about my creative brief. Great input. Great input. <laughs> <laughs> well, and is, is can you talk about that other AI thing you showed me with someone going on holiday that was
3: ro- kind of royalty? Can you talk about that one? So that was created using using Midjourney, and that was so. Our, Dave Lee, who's our kind of, uh, I think they're calling him the Wizard of AI right now. But know, he's the he's the he's the kind of innovation director. You know, he's he's really at the forefront of this stuff, and he's um, he's been using the tools for a while. And he he sat down one weekend and just thought, who could I put into various different holiday scenarios? And so he decided Henry the Eighth. You know, that's something that you could. You know, you wouldn't expect to see Henry VIII and Honestly, these these images there's about fifteen of these different images with Henry enjoying uh, some time on the beach, playing some beach volleyball, getting stuck in a in a roller coaster. Was he not, was he not on his phone in one of them? He was on his phone. He was <laughs> taking a selfie. Uh, he, he was on his luggage. throne. <laughs>
1: he was on his throne on the airplane. He had throne class. <laughs> That's right. I was um, brilliant. There you go. He did that as an experiment to just see if you could create campaign quality images using this tool. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he limited himself to one hour and he created 15 images that were campaign ready in an hour. Uh, and uh, if you were to ask an agency to do that, I mean, it'd
0: be thousands.
1: Yeah, yeah thousands. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Um, I mean, I, I think the other thing that's quite interesting about it is that. Yes, you can have an idea of a campaign and put it into an AI and see what comes back and can you get an image that you want to work with. But it happens the other way around. Our creative director was showing us what happens when you take an existing campaign mm-hmm. and you say, what if we try to run that existing campaign um, with uh, uh, with and rework it using these tools? Um, and so we, ha- we have this ad which talks about it's promoting airport hotels so it's it's saying you don't want to get stuck on the way to the airport right Uh and the way we do that is we show a picture (laughs) we're a bit bonkers we show a picture of a couple on their way to the airport being attacked by zombies right um (laughs) she goes she goes to him or he goes to her they're both in the car um i told you we should have booked an airport hotel so um when you started doing that and you try and get Mid Journey to create an image of a car being attacked by zombies on the motorway on the way to the airport, you end up with all sorts of crazy stuff coming back. Um, and It's a bit it's like, I don't know what Mid is on, but it's on something. <laughs> but <laughs> you, sometimes the stuff it comes back with actually gives you a new idea. Yes. right. So, and, and you might not use it in the way that Mid Journey thinks you're going to use it, but it sparks something in the creative Brilliant. process that, gives you new ideas. So yeah. it's actually quite interesting that it's not just doing what you tell it to do, it's giving you um, creative triggers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and, and the good thing is, if you're doing zombies, like, Mid Journey usually comes back with six and seven fingers anyway, so that works. <laughs> I was about to say about that, yeah. <laughs> One arm falling off. Um, and then the very last thing on AI, can we talk about the spreadsheet thing that you told me about? Uh, yeah yeah so
1: um yeah I mean when uh we were we were getting some feedback in from um from our customers um we get we get a lot of feedback mm-hmm. we we ask for a lot of feedback, and it it's brilliant to um get that feedback, but there's so much of it you just sometimes want to see at a glance what's going on, so um took I took about three hundred customer comments, put them in a spreadsheet used a uh, chat gpt login for the spreadsheet before i did anything with it i just made sure there's no customer data in there i like, got rid of any email addresses and you know, it's all anonymized um and then in the spreadsheet you can then write a formula to say uh summarize uh summarize this comment in three words uh summarize if this sent if this if this comment is positive or negative and then you can say. Uh, Using an Excel formula to calculate what the categories are of the the feedback, so it's it's a small example, but using a spreadsheet, you you can use it to analyse the content and summarise it for you, and then create a graph, and then there you go, you've got a summary of what the sentiment analysis of you know five thousand words is yeah. down to a graph that you can quickly see what the issues are and then you can go back and pick out the comments that are the ones that are going to help you solve the problem.
2: And then there was this second thing where you were doing destination guides? Oh, yeah, that was a, a David Lee experiment. Um, we've not used this one in the wild. A great band name, by the way, the David Lee experiment. The I David think, Lee experiment. <laughs> I think we have to get T-shirts for that one for the next brand circle. So... Um, yeah, no that's a good one as well because what
1: what what you can do is you can set up a spreadsheet with um two or three columns with some parameters. So for example, Mr. Mark McCulloch going to Barcelona for four nights on a business trip. Uh, and then we have Mr. Antarcow going to we're going to Rome uh for seven nights on a romantic break. Ooh, right. right. And and yeah, okay. And then what you can do <laughs> is you you can then Create a, a prompt in the spreadsheet using ChatGPT and ask it to create a um, an email for that customer. Please write an email um, for this customer, um, wishing them a, a, a good trip. Um, provide them with information on the, the current weather forecast in the destination, uh, an idea of five top, thing, top things they might like to do when they're there uh, and any other useful information. And it, on the fly, it created a very well written email, um, and we thought, well, we could probably use that. It's so good. <laughs> um, we haven't done it yet, but that—that that was using dummy data. We did not use real customer data on that one. But yeah, um, we're going to have to create ourselves a, a safe, clean room where we can run run that safely without exposing it to the outside world. Uh, you um, can do it through the API, can you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll do it through the API. So. Yeah. You can do that kind of thing. And then we translate it into German. Yeah. We sent it to our German team. Well, ChatGPT translated it into German. And it was spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, And now we're thinking, oh my God, right, translation of the website. There are so many different keys that we need to translate and we send them off to translation agencies. Do we really need to bother doing that? We can just chuck it into a spreadsheet and ChatGPT will do it. (laughs) Um, You know, there's that kind of application which we're, we're we're experimenting with. It. I've got to say, we are experimenting with a lot of these things at the moment. We, we haven't put a huge amount in front of the customer yet yeah. because we've got to be absolutely sure it works. Um, but
2: it's fascinating what could be possible. Well, you're ahead of most other people that I've, I've spoken to for sure. Right, just conscious of time, so quick fire questions, and because there's two of you, it will take double the time. <laughs> so, um, so mark out a ten questions. So, favourite city to eat in. Well,
3: I I say I'm going to say London. It's uh-huh. because I've eaten in more places in London than any other city in the world, and I absolutely love it there. So, London. Nice. I'm going to say London
1: because a, there's yeah. so much variety.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never get bored. You can, you can get
2: most things.
1: I thought you got to see something what, fancy. <laughs> no, whatever budget you're looking for, whatever type of food you're looking for, there's always something new. There's always something different. You never get bored. Um, yeah. It's a very vibrant scene in London. I think it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, no, it's great.
3: Favorite hotel? Nah. I struggle with this one a little bit because I have stayed in lots of ho- lovely hotels. Actually, the, the it's probably not my favorite hotel itself, but it's the nicest time I've ever had in a hotel. It was in it's called the Cheval Old Town Chambers in Edinburgh, uh-huh. uh, just on the on the on the Royal Mile, not on the Royal Mile, the old leading up to the castle. It was just, uh No, up from that. Just okay. beneath the castle, basically, and it uh-huh. was this beautiful, beautiful like it was just done, done up, and it was like an apartment hotel. But I was there with my wife from our twentieth wedding anniversary. It was just the most lovely time. The people were amazing. Hotel was lovely. It was, it was a good time. Nice, good yeah. times,
1: love. Well, I'll, see, Mark, I, I don't really do fancy hotels, and uh-huh. my favourite hotel is actually a mountain hut.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So I, I go ski touring where I travel from mountain hut to mountain hut on my skis in the middle of nowhere with my mates. And uh, there's this one time we went to a place in the Vanoise National Park in France. Mm -hmm. And there was a hut called the Don du Parachet hut. And there's a guy there called Frank, who's the guardian. And we were only one of, uh, there there was seven guests that night. And rather than opening the dining space, Frank invited us into his kitchen. And we just sat in the guardian's back room having dinner there was a a guitar in the corner and we played and then he cracked open the genopy and, uh, it's kind of a heavy, heavy spirit in the Alps. And, uh, we all got into a massive sing song and then it ended up with us all outside on the terrace at midnight with a glitter ball dancing to some weird disco tunes in (laughs) in our ski gear. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I'll sleep anywhere. But it's the people, you know. It's the people yeah. and the, th- the
2: things you do together that make the difference. Nice. I wasn't expecting that one.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> favorite coffee shops. So down here in uh, Southeast Kent, uh, we've got quite a lot of nice coffee shops. And that, just down the road from me, there's a little little tiny village called Sange, and it's got two incredible coffee shops. One called Orchard Lane, and one called Mister Whippets, which is a oh. new one that spun up from one of those like coffee carts that I think he started doing it during the pandemic and he's turned it into a, into a cafe, but both selling incredible coffee. And I do love my coffee. So yes. Ooh, yeah, I've got some to send you actually remind oh. me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll nice. send you some. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I like, likewise, I mean, I, I live in a seaside town, a uh, different one to Ant, but, uh, there's, there's one in deal called Hope and Lane and it's just really well done. It's a small independent, uh, a coffee shop on the high street free wi-fi dog friendly They've organic sustainable beans from peru there's no single use plastic they make their coffee carefully but it's just lovely just to sit there in the either in the front of the shop overlooking the high street in the winter or outside the shop in the summer and then just go for a walk on the sea afterwards a seaside afterwards it's just uh i like i like small independents that yeah. uh Care about doing things properly, and I'm happy to pay a little bit extra for that because I think it. You know, I can get I can get my chain coffee in the garage on the way to work, but if I'm going to enjoy a coffee and sit down and enjoy it as
2: an event, I'll, I'll I prefer that. Precious coffee. That's what
3: we should open the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, a favorite bar pubs. Oh, okay. My favorite bar is uh, it's in London. It's called Drafts it's uh, it's in Hackney um, just we'll near you well, it's Dalston I'm so hipster uh, <laughs> right and I'll tell you it's going to be even more hipster when I tell you oh. more about it right It's it does craft beer it's got like really nice home cooked food the most important thing about this bar is it's got a board game library, library of about 350 games so basically you go there you sit down you get this amazing experience from the beer and the drink and the food uh, and then you can just sit there and play board games all night and that's right. kind of how I like to geek out I don't you know, I only, I only ski from lodge to lodge from time to time. You know, most of the time I'm spending my time in a board in a game cafe.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> David?
1: Uh, well, my my favorite night ever in a pub uh, is, is a particular pub I went back to because it was previously my best ever night out in a pub. Um, and it's a place in on the west coast of Ireland in a little village called Doolin. Uh, there's Gus O'Connor's pub and it is internationally renowned for its uh, traditional music. And every single night of the week, you've got people coming in from all over the County to come and sit down and bring their musical instruments. And you get a a session going, you know, you you get something different every time. Um, Mm -hmm. You got your Guinness. I went there once um, in between jobs. I drove there and back for the weekend with my brother and a friend, and um, it, was, it was amazing because we, uh, we, we went to a bookmaker on the way in Limerick and we put some money on a horse and we won enough money to uh, fund the entire night. Oh, wow. And, yeah, we got to the pub at four o'clock in the afternoon and we left at two in the morning. <laughs> <It> <laughs> happier brilliant. than when
2: you went in. With no voice left after singing all night. <laughs> brilliant.
3: Nice. And then last one is favourite restaurants restaurant. Uh, so we're back to London again for me. It's, uh-huh. uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce it. Bubala or Bubala. Uh, it's in Soho. It's a vegetarian slash vegan restaurant does kind of Middle Eastern, you know, flatbreads, loomy, uh, delicious chard, oyster, mushrooms, all that kind of stuff. Oh, this place is, the food is absolutely brilliant. And I love it when people do vegetarian food Mm. I mean, I think vegetarian food, there's nowhere to hide with vegetarian food. So you've got to really like, you've got to make that food flavorful. And they've just got this, they've got this ability to just ingest or in, invest all this lovely flavor, even though it's just a plate of vegetables. It's incredible. You should nice. go. Oh, amazing. I should try Enjoy that. Yeah. You definitely should. Well, Next time I... we're in London, David.
1: Well, I, I used to work in Soho and uh, I used to go quite a lot to a place called Basaba. Yes. A Thai uh, restaurant and I just, I just love it because it's simple really really tasty food um and i don't care how many times i eat senchen pad thai yeah. it tastes amazing every single time the chili the lemon the king prawns oh i, I had some last night actually but i i'd go there you know i yeah. I'm, I'm i've got cheap tastes i'm a kind of guinness
2: a mountain hut and a pad thai and i'm happy happy boy right and then before I let you go what's next what's happening next for you and Holiday Extras what's going on we've got a big party haven't we that's the big thing
3: yeah 40 years old this year so we're celebrating mid-June going to get absolutely everyone here on campus and just have an amazing time Wild West themed oh great hoedown yeah (laughs) the first post-pandemic party yeah Uh, it's going to be good um
1: yeah, what else have we got going on we we're, we're launching um a theater breaks uh, program which mm-hmm. is quite exciting um putting some new tech together to make a really easy booking flow for for theater breaks um take have it have a go at that um, yeah and uh later this year we've got our conference where we invite the whole team in for a week from around the around the country and and from germany and we we run a, like a week long internal conference we call it hx connect um so we're starting to think about that um, but before then we've got the uh, the the peak season to get through And uh, we're running a promo at the moment on on youtube mm-hmm. um, where if you book with holiday extras you can um go into a draw um and you can have the chance of winning a 20,000 pound dream holiday um plus the chance to win one of i think it's is it seven thousand beach yep. there's beach bags beach towels um, bottles um all sorts of branded merch um so but, yeah
3: that's going well. like high quality branded merch not not oh, cheap yeah. to tur- like this is yeah. stuff that you wouldn't mind having yeah. on the beach with you because yeah you know we i think we're, we're like one of those brands that that people actually aren't that aware. As much as my job is to make us make people aware of us, <laughs> you'll top yourself I, out your oh try. No, you. What have I done? Don't <laughs> yeah. fire me, David. You know we we're, we're not known by enough people because I think we're kind of you know we're not the the big two and the you know the big heroes. But um, I want to see more of our brand when I'm walking around the beach when I'm in Florence in July. I want to see people with holiday extra stuff because you know we're we're there for so many different people for so many different holidays. There's no reason why they shouldn't have. Take a bit of us on holiday with them, so that's that's kind of. I'm quite excited by what that could look like as you start to get our brand actually out there into the wild, onto people's holidays with them. Yeah,
2: definitely. And also, are you stocking all this at your house? Seven thousand. Yeah, it's like
3: it's like Rodney's house at my Alibaba. house. At yeah, just got of, Yes, miles and piles of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, nah, we, we 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 partner with a company that do it all for us. You know. They store it and we just send them send them the details and they do the shipping. Um, so yeah nice. it's, a good, it's a good setup. But yeah, thats uh, that promo is going hard and we're out on YouTube at the moment with some ads. Um, they're 30 second ads and uh, we're targeting three different regions of the country. Um, so the reason we do that is that uh, we try and look at the difference in behavior of customers in the areas that did get the ad versus those that didn't uh to try and understand the impact of the ad spend and you look at things like what's the percentage of uh traffic to our website on different channels uh how much um brand search how many times are people searching for the the, the, the term holiday extras in the in the target areas versus the control areas uh, we're looking at the the spend of the bookings that come through from those areas yeah and so we're gradually learning what works best in, in youtube um and we, we like youtube because you unlike tv tv you've got to commit about six weeks ahead at the latest um and you commit an amount of spend and that's it right whereas with youtube you can literally put the ad together the week before <laughs> as we did <laughs> well you don't have to do it the week before. You can do it three weeks before, but we did it the week before this time. And uh, you can upload it and then you can decide to dial up the spend, dial down the spend, depending how it's performing. You could be more agile. Um, so if it's not working, you can pull it. Yeah. Um, but so far it's working very well. Um, you know, we, we measure how many people view the ad all the way through. They're 30-second ads and more than 50% of people are viewing them all the way through. Um, we measure you know, what's the cost per view. Uh, that's very low. I mean, it's probably fifteen times less what you'd expect from TV advertising. Um and about two-thirds of the views are actually on a TV screen. So yeah, which is mind blown. So we're paying for TV advertising
2: at a fourteenth of the cost. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about it. <laughs> well, it's brought in, you know, again, you know, the fact that you do almost forty percent on the creative and all the rest of it, and you put so much effort into the measurement and tracking it within an inch of its life and prodding it and poking it and kicking it to death to then inform the next decision, I, I think it's one of the biggest lessons from from for everyone, you know, from talking to you today. You know, it's a a healthy skepticism and a healthy curiosity um, you know, on everything that you do to make sure you're doing the next thing bigger and better. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely absolutely well it's been it's been a pleasure mark ah, thank you yeah. for coming on <laughs> and uh, and i'll see you tomorrow um but um but thanks so much i really appreciate your time i know it's the end of the day and you've got families to get to and all that so thank you for sharing your knowledge and, and sharing your experience with everyone and um yeah just wishing you continued success and more good times more good times thanks for good having times. us on, mark. all right thanks take back. it easy thanks guys Bye. see you Bye. soon cheers Bye. So there we go. That was a walk on the wild side, wasn't it? A real change of pace for us on the Supersonic Hospitality Marketing Podcast. I just thought it'd be so exciting to go and just look at that other industry and just try and figure out what's the formula, what is it they're doing, could we take any tips from that, is there more things that we should be doing that bigger companies do and even if it's not today, Is it something that we can plan for the future? I really hope you enjoyed that episode. It was really good for me. And as I say, when I work with Holiday Extras, it's great mental chewing gum because it helps me step outside of hospitality, step outside of tech as well. And what that does is gives me a clarity of vision for how I might be able to bring some of those great things and that great thinking back to my clients in tech, B2B, and in hospitality. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Just visit VitaMojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's VitaMojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast, and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.